I got him into herding and it seemed to help teach him how to depend on humans for help when he needed it. And he became more of my animal than at that point. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, we welcome Karen Miller for a delightful conversation about Border Collies and Mocan Border Collie Rescue. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love dog words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded, subscribed, rated, and shared dog words. Now that you're a follower of the podcast, take the next step and become a participant. Let us know what you want to hear. Go to rosiefund.org and send suggestions for topics and guests. Please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content. We're inching closer to our subscriber goal that will give us the Rosie Fund URL on YouTube. If you don't know what that means, trust us that it will greatly help with exposure for Rosie Fund, which ultimately allows us to help more dogs. Just subscribe. It's free and you will not be inundated with notifications from the channel. The day before posting this podcast, we shot some wonderful video of our guest Karen Miller and her dogs, Josie and Greg, working her flock of sheep. Once it's edited, we'll post it on YouTube. If you're a subscriber to our channel, just click the bell next to the subscribe button and you'll be notified when we post that or any other video. And please comment on the videos. That feeds the algorithm that helps Rosie Fund show up in people's feeds and searches. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we welcome Karen Miller to the show to talk about what I feel is the smartest breed, and I don't need anybody to email us any uh, surveys or studies or research because these are the dogs I grew up with. We're going to talk about border collies. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you very much for having me. Before we drill down on border collies, where did your love of dogs come from? Oh, I was raised with dogs. Um, I always had a dog, and we had puppies. So I was raised with birthing puppies and and always having a pet and something I was responsible for, and I loved it. We lived in the suburbs, so I was just, it, that, it was that kind of dog raising. It wasn't in the country. Um, when I got married, we started accruing dogs, <laughs> and we had various dogs, various breeds. We always had cats, lots of cats. We, we, we were always animal people, and we ended up with golden retrievers, but we couldn't have just one. We had to have two. So we got one, and then a year later we got the next one. And they, I raised golden retrievers and cats and kids for 20 years. And then I decided we lost our last golden, and I wanted a dog that I could do something with, um, stay active with. I thought about agility. I thought about obedience. I thought about a lot of things, not competition exactly but just to have a relationship 
with an animal with my dog instead of just taking care of my dog and enjoying my dog. I was looking for that uh, next level. And Golden will give you a lot of affection, but, and someone's going to call or email with an exception to this, and I'm sure there are exceptions. They'll give you a lot of affection, but not a lot of stimulation. They're not going to challenge you. Right. They accept everything you do is wonderful, and that's fine. That's great. What, if that's what you're looking what, for. It's what you want when you've got a lot of kids around, and um, and the kids want their dogs sleeping on their bed every night, and they don't... I, we have by the time our goldens were old, they could lay in the street and monitor pedestrian traffic when it went by. They didn't have to go meet and greet. They knew they wanted to just stay there and and practically wave at people. They were that kind. They're family oriented dogs. They bond with the whole family, but they love everybody, and that's fine. Yeah. It They're is. sweet and lovable, and anybody who's adopting a dog needs to find the right dog for them and know what you're looking for in a dog. Yes. And if what you're looking for is a, what a golden retriever offers, you'll find no better dog. Mm-hmm. But you were at a point, as you described, where you were looking for a different relationship with a dog. Right. And how did you settle on Border Collies? I rescued one. <laughs> and, and that, it, I had no guidance. I didn't do much homework. Um, by the time I was getting into this, which was the um, early 2000s, I rescued, I decided, ah, this is it. I want to rescue this, these border collies. I looked at the websites, and I found Mocan Border Collie Rescue on the Internet. And I, I knew I didn't want to get a dog that I was looking at for sale on uh, the Internet. I would not buy a dog like that. I was look. I, I investigated breeders. I thought, do I want a puppy? No, I really think I want a rescue. So I looked on the page, and this big fluffy guy stood out, and he was four years old, and he just looked pretty nice. He looked like the typical poster child for a border collie, and he ha- he was a stray, so he didn't have any history that he could tell me about or anybody about. So I went in for the interviews and filled out the paperwork and met him and he 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 was a challenge he be he was an immediate challenge he had issues but uh i got i knew they herded sheep so i i got some they said do you want to have him evaluated for herding tendencies and i said well uh sure so why not i i I took my dog and I tripped out to a farm outside of Leavenworth, Kansas. And um, that was my first experience with the the working border collies and herding. And um, he did show some fine tendencies towards it. He wasn't bred to do this. He was one of the border collies that was bred for looks, which is... Something that happened when the border, when the AKC got involved with border collies, they began breeding them with a with a appearance standard, and he was definitely one of those. He, but I could teach him. I learned quickly. I could teach him to do anything, anything I asked that dog to do. I could speak to him in full sentences, and he'd do it. Did you find he would learn to do tasks or follow commands? 
that you weren't even intentionally teaching? Oh, yes. Once I got him rehabbed, it took a good year to get him rehabbed, but that was to change his name. And I had to teach the dog a recall. I had to teach him simple commands. We call it kitchen obedience. I had to teach him to respect human beings because he didn't come with that in the package either. He kind of was a defiant animal. And with the help of this shepherd, I got him into herding, and it seemed to help teach him how to depend on humans for help when he needed it. And he became more of my animal than at that point. And I just had to continually raise the bar. I raised the bar every day. I'd teach him something new. I'd either teach him a new task. I taught him the names of all of his stuffed animals, and I could send him into the pile of stuffed animals, and he'd get the one I asked for. We played hide-and-seek in the house. I had grandkids by then for him to mess with. And then we were doing lots of volunteer work with Mocan, Border Collie Rescue. And I want to drill down a little bit on not just Mocan Border Collie Rescue, but dog rescue groups in general, Uh you talked about the process you went through in adopting. You didn't just show up, pick out a dog, and write a check. Right. They were very diligent about making sure this dog's not going to come back. That's what rescue groups are looking for. They want to make sure this is a fit. And then helping you get the resources you needed for this to be a successful adoption. It doesn't stop there. They welcome volunteers. And I got on purpose in the process of training Duke and I lined up with a trainer, a certified trainer and Duke and I became her obedience demo dogs. And so we paired up with her and we gave obedience demonstrations at animal hospitals, different organizations would call us and we would do classes on a weekly basis and Uh, It just helped to have two instructors and Mm -hmm. the two dogs. It was great fun. I had a very dependable Border Collie by then. Duke would have done anything for me. And we actually did do some herding. We entered a competition with AKC, and we took third place. But he's a Border Collie. It was almost... (laughs) Keep in mind, for the first four years of his life, you don't know if he was doing any Border Collie work, any hurting, and he probably wasn't based on his issues that you described. Because if he's being defiant, it's probably because he had not been trained to do some sort of job. We've talked about that on this show before. If you have a smart dog like a Border Collie or an Aussie Shepherd, if you Uh don't give them work, even if it's not hurting, if you don't give them work, they will become either defiant or aggressive or depressed or destroy your furniture, they'll find some outlet for that energy they they have in their brain. Yes. And it's not always a good, proper outlet. Yeah, if you don't give them guidance. Oftentimes, and his existence the first four years of his life, with the help of the trainer and the help of the shepherd, I did manage to narrow down some things. He was basically a backyard ornament. He'd seen kids, but he hadn't had any time to socialize with kids. But he'd been around old people a lot. He was never afraid of a walker or crutches or canes. I took him to my mom's nursing home, and he would walk beside her and her walker, and just like he belonged there, he would take treats off of the laps of the little old ladies that wanted to give him treats. We could lay a treat on 
their knee and he would gently reach up and do that or he'd lay his head on there. We figured out what he had done and we just kind of built on that. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very fun. Learning how to evaluate and work with Border Collies has been one of the highlights of owning one, of adopting one. By two years later, I had three more. I mean, it was just, it, it, you can never have too many Border Collies. I think there's a bumper sticker like that. <laughs> and I ended up with herding lines. I did end up with a herding dog, a real honest-to-goodness herding dog. And uh, she was amazing. She was different, but she taught me more. Did you find there was a difference in training Duke as opposed to training Tess? Tess, who had Duke as an example? No, no. Tess was a totally different dog because she had the software. She was bred to herd. She was ready to go. Yes. She was totally ready to go. She was bred to herd. She was raised as a puppy to include people in her world. People were not foreign to her. She was always socialized with kids as a puppy. I watched her grow up. The litter was read and raised by the woman who was helping me train Duke. So she was raised around people every day. She learned the the joy of being with people versus not knowing what to mm-hmm. do with people. Because bright dogs really do develop this autistic situation where they don't know how to relate to people if you don't start it off from the very beginning. And Tess herded sheep with her talents. Duke, I could tell him what to do, and he did well with that. And I thought that was how you, that was nice. That's kind of nice. I mm-hmm. obviously, together, we did this. But with Tess, I didn't have to tell her what to do. That was the amazing part, was I just had to help her when she needed it. So it raised my bar a lot to get into Tess's world. We still ended up adopting rescues and fostering rescues. We flunked a couple of rescue fosters and adopted them. So it just, I, I enjoyed. I've never heard that term. term. Flunking I foster. like that better than foster fail. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you flunk a class or fail a class, that it seems synonymous. But there's, a, I think, a difference Fail, it seems like you did something wrong. Flunk is just sort of like, hey, we realized this wasn't working and we gave up. We gave up fostering. And so we adopted. adopted. (laughs) We basically fell in love with our foster dogs. And it happens all the time with folks. And and it's great to see it because they have rehabbed these dogs and fallen in love with them at the same time. And and it's easy to do with a border collie Mm -hmm. because they just, they, you just keep raising the bar. These women that, and men that raise litters of rescue puppies are just, uh, they're amazing to me. They're absolutely So, yeah, we, we've had several foster guests on the show. Anyone interested in learning more about foster, just go back through our archives. I am so glad that there are people who can do that because oh, yeah. we have tried to foster twice, <laughs> and that was Rosie and Peaches. And we've realized we could host a dog for a day or two, do mm-hmm. a doggy day out, but any longer than that we just fall in love with them. Mm. And I can't imagine having a border collie for any length of time and not developing the kind of relationship where you don't want it to end. Yeah, You look a dog in the eyes and you can tell that they love you with some dogs. Well, and that's- with a border collie, you can tell they understand you. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of the, 
Border collies bond immediately. They either bond immediately or they don't bond. But if they bond immediately, you can't fight it. Mm-hmm. You can't make it go away. The emotion just starts, it's like your avatar. The emotion just starts going back and forth between you and this dog. I still have a pup that I picked up from Ocan Border Collie Rescue. She was too much sold and had been abandoned in a trailer park. And they called me at 6 o'clock in the morning and said, you got to go get this pup because the woman's trying to leave town. She And nobody's picked her up yet. And so she called Mocan last night. So I drove to the airport and got this pup from her as she's leaving down and I drove up to this woman's back of her jeep and there's this little thing and I thought oh golly darn and she came to my house that day and it was the same with both Joe and myself she decided she was going to stay there this is my new house yeah and she couldn't be separated from us she broke out of every crate she could figure out how to lift those crate latches with her nose and just bounce on out of there she could bend out of anything that was not closing properly she just she couldn't stand i'd turn around and she'd be right back there with me and i'm going yeah they're they're agile and strong and (laughs) smart it's a dangerous combo it really can be dangerous and she was young and she was just yeah she was ours she never made it to the web page but i still continued to evaluate and um, pick up dogs. I it I did, and uh, we didn't foster after Penny though, because I I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, I knew I was personally not going to be able to do this, but I could continue to do volunteer work for him. But nope, not foster. What is some of the volunteer work that you continue to do for Mocan? I picked up dogs um, that needed to be. Um, I evaluate dogs for them. When we talk about foster so much on the show, I want to make sure our listeners who are interested in helping the dog community realize if they also know I can't foster, what other opportunities are out there for them to serve. Transporting is one thing that I do, and it's not that hard because it's it's formulated by people who understand you don't have days to devote to this. Mm-hmm. They give you a four-hour window where you might transport 20, 30 miles, and that's it. It's broken up in legs. And groups cooperate. So there's more transport going on than you realize. We've had dogs come in by air. There's people that fly them around now for free. And we've had Julian Javor from Pet Rescue Pilots on. Yes, yes, amazing. he, He gets animals out of California where they would otherwise probably be euthanized. Yes. To... Oregon, Washington, mm-hmm. Canada, and he goes all over the country, but primarily those routes. And just moving a dog from one municipality to another yeah. can save its life. Yeah, that's all. One group may not have room for them mm-hmm. on one group, and they have to send them elsewhere. Mokan just took in a huge number, in my mind, uh, quite a large number of dogs from a hoarding situation. And they are still in foster care. They're still fostering these animals because they were so socially deprived that it's taking quite a while to get these dogs to the point. But the one thing about Border Collies is because of their intelligence, they rehab. They do finally learn to trust. They do finally learn to depend 
on people. And our, our people that do volunteer work, we're all basically trained. We're trained. If we have an issue with a foster, you just call up another one of your fellow volunteers and it goes out on a message board. Hey, I've got an issue. What, what do you suggest? What should I be doing? Because someone has encountered that before. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because uh, we, yes, we, we've either gotten, we've done it longer or we have another idea or we have another insight into it. Um, It's more experience or a little more training in that area. Sometimes it's just interesting that no matter what, those border collies, I don't know, I haven't done rescue with other breeds, but I know border collies rehab. And that's why adopting a border collie, in my mind, is so fulfilling because they are so thankful. They actually are thankful as a breed across the board to the people that adopt them. And they bond with them and they just put their paw on them and say, thank you very much, and you're not leaving my life. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Now, right now, my experience with Border Collies went from the rescue group dogs into the herding dogs and into sheep ownership. And, and so you didn't have any sheep to herd before you had no, the Border Collies. No. The, the Border Collies <laughs> are the reason you got sheep. Yes. I did it a little backwards. How big is your herd? <laughs> well, or it's flock? not very, my flock right now is not very big because we've had to cut it in half for health reasons at home. So I'm now down to less than 30. Okay. Um, that's more sheep than I have. In the summertime. I have none. Well, in the summer, I used to get close to 50 because of lambs. And lambing is, is an experience. It's a joy. When I was working at the library, I wrote blogs for the library. And my job was writing up. I was the shepherdess. So I wrote blogs for Mid-Continent Public Library about the art of lambing and uh, the art of raising sheep and the art of herding with dogs and training dogs. I don't train for other people. I train for myself. The dogs that are bred to do this are absolutely amazing. But I ended up having to get sheep because that was just the path that I wanted to take. I was literally being moved down that path by these dogs that were in my life. To offer your dogs stimulation and fulfillment, do you herd the sheep more than you necessarily would need to herd them? I pretty much because just to keep the dogs active. In it's practice. A, um, well, the the dog I have now is four. Is is she'll be four in the fall, and I'm training her completely by myself, and she is a joy to be around. But I invent chores because that's where she shines is doing a chore because as soon as she gets it, I don't have to tell her what to do. I just open the gate, and you probably saw this because you were raised around border collies. Mm-hmm. They knew what the day was bringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're ready. You could see how excited they were. It's like we had cattle and we had hogs. And moving cattle from one pasture to another pasture, is, that's their birthday and Christmas all rolled into one. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing at it. And it takes a total different... It, they do it differently with sheep because sheep are a lot more sensitive to mm-hmm. having them around them. And they don't need to be pushed as much as cattle do, mm-hmm. and they don't need to be impressed as much as cattle do. Mm-hmm. But uh, sheep, my sheep, are very respectful of my dogs. And 
that is my method. My dogs don't grip unless they absolutely have to. And if they do grip, they don't. It's a, a little nip on the heel, and mm-hmm. the, the lamb will go, oh, gosh, okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, I got it now. And she never has to do it again. So that is the method I've been taught, and that's the method I use to train my little uh, Josie right now. And, and she's, not, she's not a big dog. She's not a hard dog. She's a smart dog. She's brilliant. So everything gets done smoothly. The sheep are calm. They aren't running for their lives. She doesn't chase them. You don't want to stress out the sheep. That's going to harm their development. No. The first thing this woman taught me that I had gone to see, she had working dogs. And that day that I took Duke out to have her evaluate him, she sent her boy off to get the sheep at the bottom of the hill. I couldn't see him. I didn't know where they were. And she said, just just give it a minute. Just give it a little while. Pretty soon they started to appear and they were walking single file up this hill, up the path. And she said that the key to having a good border collie in control of your flock is you don't want to run the moms because you don't want those udders full of milk. You don't want them to move. You want them to stay put. So you don't want the dogs pushing or frightening or in any way worrying the moms because that stresses out the mom and that lowers the milk intake and that stresses out the lamb if the mom's not got the mm-hmm. milk. It made all the sense in the world. Yeah. So it's not just showing off that look how no. controlled my dog is. Like there's a purpose. Yeah, there's a purpose to walking them up the hill. It's not about getting things done in a timely fashion. It's about getting things done carefully. And how smart does a dog have to be to be patient enough Exactly. To do that. Exactly. They are actually bred to do this. This is what the shepherds needed in the 1800s when they created the border collies. They needed assistance like this. They needed assistance that took place because the shepherd wasn't close enough to help them. And that's what they bred into these dogs. And it's amazing. We jokingly say the software is included. It's a lifetime license. It is. And they're going to, they got it. All I had to do is help her when she needs it, and give her confidence. They're not born with a lot of confidence. They're given this incredible gift at birth, but they oftentimes don't know what to do with it because they're not born with the confidence to try something, and if it works, then try it again, or if it doesn't work, to be redirected. So that's where the shepherd comes in. They need guidance, boundaries, discipline, like... Like child. children. Like children do. Uh-huh. Someone who's looking it. for a dog that's only going to lay on the couch with them and hang out in the yard, Border Collie's not your dog. But you don't have to get a herd of sheep. Right. What are some other activities you can do with a Border Collie in order for them to have a fulfilled life and be a good dog and not turn into just a destructive nightmare? Right. Anything to raise the bar. You could start working in the kitchen. You could um, feed them from your hand. They have to do a chore, and they get a piece of kibble. And their chore to them is anything you ask them to do. Teach them stay. Teach them how to go find. Teach them how to open a refrigerator. You can do this by simply tying the dish rag on the refrigerator. Teach them how to ring a bell when they want to go outside. 
teach them hide and seek. Hide and seek was always a favorite of my grandkids and my border collies. Naming their toys, the most famous border collie in the world had over 300 toys, and he knew the names of every darn one of them. And anyone who's seen the video of him, what really amazed researchers, it's not just that he knew the names of his toys, he knew when something was a new toy. Yeah. That he was asked to get something that wasn't what he knew, he could sort through the pile and go, it must be this, because that's yeah. the only one I don't have a name for, and then he would remember that name. It's their ability to problem solve. They actually can reason. I don't think they've determined the top level of their ability to reason. I know that they've proven that they can reason like a three-year-old child, and a three-year-old child, when you think about it, can be very smart. Mm-hmm. Raising a border collie is like raising a child. Give them their limits and then give them something to do. Give them something to learn. And you can do that in the backyard. Agility, they all excel at agility. Mm-hmm. They win every size. They just do. They're uh, extremely driven in agility. That's a fun sport for them. But just being with you and being at your side and knowing that you're going to give them another new something to do that day, they love that. They would rather have that than physical. If you can give them mental stimulation. And that means spending time with your dog and figuring out what to do. But you can do that. That's a responsibility you choose to accept if you adopt a dog like a Border Collie, Australian Shepherd, Blue Heeler, these dogs that expect to be taught a job. Right. So that they need they need a chore. They need a job. And it's not I I mean it's a that's a term. That's a good term. But they still need their people. They want mm-hmm. their people. They want to please you. They want to do yeah. their job for right. you. Right. But I'm not gonna go out there and try to tell a border collie how to do his job. They already know how to do their job. I I'm going to help them if they're not doing it in an appropriate manner. As in, you're too tight, you're messing with them, you're putting too much pressure, we aren't going to do that. When I say we're not going to do that, then it's up to them to figure out how to do it. That I don't tell them how to do. And that is the method. And that's kind of how you work with kids. If you don't tell them exactly how to do everything every moment of their day, they've got all this freedom to... Mm-hmm. to try and to you're doing do. them a disservice if you don't give them the opportunity to learn yes. to problem solve yes and that's the same way with a border collie because again i say they are bright and they they can problem solve and that's so fun to watch them do it because they they just thrive in that environment duke loved doing it and he didn't like to herd sheep but he sure loved everything else we did with him and doing obedience and getting to know kids and doing tricks for kids for treats that was his livelihood completely anyone who's looking for a dog that's going to challenge them but be ultimately fulfilling in meeting those challenges i can think of no better breed than border collies and border collie mixes I'm putting a link for Mocan Border Collie Rescue in the description for this episode. But as Karen indicated, there's other rescue organizations. So mm-hmm. you may not be in the Mocan area, but there's a Border Collie Rescue Group and similar dog rescue groups where you're at. And Seek guidance from them. And they are trained to ask the right questions. They will help you figure out what kind of dog you want. You don't have to figure They're, this out. Don't be overwhelmed. Yeah. Never be overwhelmed. If you think you might want a Border Collie, 
but you're not sure, there are some real low-energy older Border Collies that need very good homes. Mm -hmm. And they, again, will bond with you the minute you take them into a forever home. If they're seven, they have many, many, many good years left of being your companion and your helper. And um, And don't fall for, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. They're still eager to learn. Oh, yes, they really are. Keep raising the bar. They're a mental dog as well as physical, but they're very mental. They're more mental than an Australian Shepherd. An Australian Shepherd is pretty physical, and they're more into exercise, exercise, exercise. Mm -hmm. But you get a cross, and oftentimes you get the best of both breeds in there. So don't eliminate crosses, strays, mutts, ever. You may have uh, the perfect mutt waiting in a shelter for you, and and they just haven't met you yet. We had our our Rosie, who is a Staffordshire Terrier Australian cattle dog mix (laughs) that sat in the shelter for eight months, Mm -hmm. which was sad for her, Mm -hmm. but worked out great for us because we got just the best dog. Yeah. And, uh, And it was a senior dog, and she was smart and when put in the right situation perfectly behaved so know your situation and then accept the guidance of a shelter or rescue group and get the right dog for you karen thank you so much for sharing your info and story of border collies and we look forward to having other people tell us about their breed rescue group and what people can know about that breed so that our listeners can find the right dog for them. Karen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Karen Miller for joining us today. Please check out the links for Mocan Border Collie Rescue's website and Facebook page in the description for this episode. Be sure to catch the next episode of Dog Words. KC Pet Project Chief Communications Officer Tori Fugate will tell us about an exciting new program that will benefit our community and many others. And of course, a big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Also, check out FiddleLife.com and learn to play the fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Remember, the Wires Underground Concert Series will resume this fall. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like to host a small, socially distant outdoor concert in your backyard or on your porch, please contact them at thewiresduo at gmail.com. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share Dog Words. This helps us with sponsorships then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Support Rosie Fund by following us on social media and please subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel. Don't forget to click the notification bell. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org. And let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words Podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other. <laughs>